Welcome to Res Talk, your source for the latest news, opinions, and training from top building performance, rating, and auditing experts. Here's your host, committed building science enthusiast and registered professional engineer, Bill Spohn. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Res Talk podcast. It's our goal at Res Talk to communicate late breaking news and thoughtful insights about the broad array of topics in the rapidly expanding world of residential energy ratings to the broad array of stakeholders in the ResNet ecosystem. Strong organizations fulfill their mission by periodically reflecting on their goals and priorities. ResNet's no exception, having adopted their 2023 mission, goals, and priorities by vote of the Board of Directors on October 7, 2022. How are the goals crafted that align with and fulfill the mission? How are the priorities and budgets set so these goals are achieved? How is 2023 looking to shape up for ResNet and the HERS industry? John Hensley, President of the ResNet Board of Directors, and Steve Baden, ResNet Executive Director, join us to describe the priorities for ResNet's activities in 2023. Steve tells us about the process of setting the priorities and how they lead to the goals that have been set by the board to achieve the mission. John describes the mission and details out the goals, while Steve describes how the goals and priorities shape the budget that has been adopted by the ResNet board. John recaps the challenges and achievements for ResNet in 2022, and Steve outlines the challenges and opportunities for ResNet and the HERS industry in 2023. It's through the combined efforts of the board, the staff, and the ResNet community that lead to the organization's achievements year after year. So let's listen in as Steve and John describe to us ResNet's 2023 goals and priorities. This afternoon, we're recording with John Hensley and Steve Baden. Steve, John, how are you guys doing? Doing fine. Glad to be here today. Yes, thank you, Bill. We're glad to be here. So just for orientation purposes, what state are you guys calling in from? I'm in San Diego, California. Okay. And John? I'm in Vienna, Virginia. Very good. And I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, showing the breadth of ResNet's reach. That's (laughs) right. (laughs) And it's that reach and how things have developed over time that lead us to today's discussion to talk about 2023 goals and priorities. So I'm going to first ask John, just restate for the listeners, what is ResNet's mission? We have a lot of missions, but our main mission is to make the energy use of the homes transparent and thereby driving residential sector energy use toward net zero. I'm sure a lot of listeners are very familiar with ResNet, but some may be listening that aren't so familiar. How would you say that transparency comes about? Any detail in terms of the process? I think transparency starts with the core values of ResNet. We are a consensus-based organization. We write standards. We have ANSI standards that are national standards. So we're a national standards organization. We work closely with the International Code Council and other organizations to be transparent. And as we create these standards, we use committees that write the standards. These are members of the membership and industry professionals. And then we put all that out for public comment. And it's full disclosure. Here's where our standards are coming from. Here's the people that created them. And then we send them out and let the public comment. And one thing that the industry sometimes comments about is why does that take so long? We create it. We send it out. And there's time for the public to be able to comment on that. When that comes back, 
every one of the comments that we receive is then answered. And then we may make changes to the standard or we may respond to the person submitting the request and say, yeah, we don't necessarily agree. Then it goes out again after it's been approved by the standing committee. And so this process does take time, but it's all about disclosure and getting that out to the public to where we don't have anything to hide. We're also educating. And as we're doing that, again, it's really full transparency. Very good. And there's a lot of gears going on, a lot of gears turning behind the scenes. Steve, you wanted to reply to that? Yeah. And in a bigger picture, our form of transparency that probably most people are impacted by is what we call either a HERS ratings. They're the inspection of the home and labeling the home according to energy efficiency. And this creates a transparency because someone shopping for a home can know what its energy performance is at a click glance, like you do with automobiles with MPGs. So I think that's two point one. We have our internal transparency process, but in order to the public as large, I think our greatest contribution to transparency is to be able to provide a label on the home where a homeowner can not only now know the energy efficiency, but the water efficiency of a home. And I just might add that the homeowner can then look up their home address and it's right there. And they could look at it, see how their house scored. If there's a HERS rating or a water rating on that house, they can go and they can look that up. A lot of components to that simple mission statement, a lot of complexity to it, and a lot of work to deliver all that. So speaking of mission, missions have to adapt or react to the changing times. So I want to ask Steve, what are the challenges and opportunities that ResNet and the HERS industry overall faces coming up in 2023? These are challenging times, and a lot of changes are taking place. I think I'm going to focus on the positive first and what are the opportunities I see emerging in 2023. Because this, again, I'm glad you asked that question because it creates a framework of what the goals and priorities we've established for 2023. The good news is the HERS industry is growing. Raiders are currently providing cold compliance, energy and sustainability ratings. Builders are using the ratings to market the efficiency of their homes, and we're seeing and more and more interest. And this is now blooming into new areas that's going to pick up in 2023, including, as I mentioned before, water efficiency, labeling the carbon of the home. And then a thing that to me is pretty exciting that's emerging increasingly as important is ESG, which is the Energy Societal and Governance Policy, because the financiers are using the ESG reporting increasingly to be able to steer purchases of stocks on sustainable investments. And what we're seeing now is also because of ESG, the emergence of green bonds, which the most exciting ones are from Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, who issued greenback mortgage-backed securities to provide incentives for people to purchase high-efficiency homes, demonstrated that through a home energy rating. Also, I think in terms of the growth potential for us, I've already mentioned the ESG and green bonds, but also what's important is Now we are able to look at more features of a home, as I mentioned before, including water efficiency, and we've just launched a rating program to measure the carbon output. So someone who's really dedicated to sustainability now can have several snapshots to see how that home is performing and its contribution to sustainability. And what's nice about that is because we're using the resident infrastructure, it's all done with one visit. So a builder can get a number of labels at that same time that the reader comes and does inspections. Another exciting opportunity is we're increasingly seeing code jurisdictions look to HERS raters to be code compliance. 
And the most exciting exercise that took place last year is that in the state of Texas, which is the nation's largest housing market, the legislature passed a law that recognized for the first time a HERS rating in terms of energy code compliance. So that's the only true performance option that's available to a builder. So I think we're going to be doing a lot of more exercise, and that's an opportunity. And then finally, because of the Inflation Reduction Act, the energy tax credit for energy efficient homes, 45L, has been extended for 10 years. This gives builders dependability in knowing what they have to do to meet it. And the problem in the past with 45L is it was on year, off year, back, forwards, forwards, and there was no dependability for a builder. So now a builder now knows by law that this will be in effect for 10 years. But there are challenges to us. There is economic uncertainty. We are seeing that inflation is slowing the housing market. I don't see this as a quintessential threat, though, because several things. This is not 2007, but the housing market is highly dependent upon interest rates because that's what drives mortgages. And the higher the interest rate, the more mortgage payments someone has, and that can drive homeowners' ability to afford a home. But I think this is a lot different than the last hiccup we had in our economy in 2007. Because this is a case now where there is an overproduction of homes. Matter of fact, there is a housing shortage in this country, and more and more people now are looking for a place to stay. The other thing is, I think we're also seeing that maybe this inflation may not be as bad as some fear. We're already seeing, all you have to do is drive by a gas pump this last week and see how the gas prices have dropped. It also, interesting stacks I read from the Los Angeles Times yesterday was the cost of shipping from Asia to the United States has gone down in half this last month. And that's what created a real influx on goods and materials because it was so high. So the supply chain seems to have worked itself out more, and we're seeing these reductions. And I think that we're seeing as consumers are recognizing that, if you look at the figures for Christmas shopping, so far it looks like it's robust, so consumers have confidence. It's still not going to be high because inflation's here. The Fed is going to try to combat that. But I don't think we're anywhere look at the last major recession we had in 2007 for the number of reasons that I talked about. In addition, there's new competition and in terms of a new Energy Star home certification organization. But this is, again, not a threat to ResNet. Matter of fact, we welcome competition. I think that we found in the American system, competition makes everyone that's much more sharper, much more efficient. So we welcome that. That creates an eternal challenge for us. And we're looking at it. But overall, we're really bullish because we have several, I think, advantages built in that I think our listeners should listen to bear in mind. First of all, we have over 20 years of experience, which includes the rating of over 3.6 million homes since ResNet's formed. So we're a known factor. Importantly, we have a national infrastructure of professional HERS raters and providers. These are people well-versed in building science. And that is the really the strength of our organization. We have a strong board of directors and professional staff that's been pretty consistent. There hasn't been large turnovers. And then I think one of the real important elements is the strong collaborations. We have such organizations as the Leading Builders of America, Local Builders, the International Cold Council, Habitat for Humanity International, the Appraisal Institute and then independent installation contractors. This is a wide variety, and it helps us know what the needs of our customers are. 
and then also provide support and credibility to our organization. These are things that is not easily replicated. It's taken us over 20 years to get here. So I think ResNet is well prepared for the challenges of both the economic challenges and competition that would be in our industry. So I'm very bullish. We may have some turbulence in the air of the economy, but I think overall the outlook over time is it's going to look better because frankly, there is a need of housing. There's a severe housing shortage. And with job growth continuing to increase, the idea is more and more people would need housing. And the big battle we're going to face is the issue of mortgage rates. But I think with the signs initially that's going on that has driven the inflation thing, it may be that the fact that this may not last as long as some people initially feared. So I'm bullish. And for the listeners that want to tap back in a little bit more detail on things like the green bonds. That was episode 101 of the podcast with Simone Beattie. Episode 94, we talked about carbon with a good group there from the Northeast. And we talked about water efficiency rating with Jacob Batala in episode 103. So these things are continually going on and there's various people and teams involved, as Steve mentioned, with the connections and the collaborations in the industry across the country. John, would you like to add any highlights to the challenges and opportunities? I hate to say this, but I think we're in a very good position. I think our organization and our industry as a whole, Steve and I have had this conversation several times. In 1995, it was grassroots, and the organization was just getting going. The mortgage industry was thinking, hey, we need to grow ratings on homes, and energy efficiency is important. While homes a lot of times have been picked for the picket fence and the school system down the street and curb appeal and inside appeal, energy has grown in the process of homeowners looking for homes. They're paying attention. They're going to our website. They're looking at other homes that have been rated. They're getting online and using Google search, (laughs) as we all do, and they're looking for energy efficient ways to purchase a home. And so we, as an industry, have seen more interest than the history of our industry as a whole. And so I'd say we're in a very good place. The industry's in a very good place. And I think we'll be a part of it for a good long time to go. To reinforce what John just said, I got the numbers from November of 2022 in terms of homes rated. And 2021 was our record year in terms of number of homes. But as of December 1st of 2022, we've had over 28,000 more homes rated in 2022 than we did in 2021, which is is a real proof that this is a growing industry. And this is taking place even though we have some of the challenges that we've been talking about facing. I think John is right. And I think that the numbers that the homes are being rated is showing that. Very good. So let's move on and ask this question of John. What are some of the key goals? for ResNet in 2023? We could spend the afternoon talking about all the goals that we have, but I'm going to hit on the key points. Lead the path to net zero energy homes. So we mentioned that in our mission statement, and that's a great goal to have as we are seeing our planet deal with humans living on the planet (laughs) and the way we've abused it, so to speak. So we're going to continue that as a big mission. Maintain and enhance credibility of the ResNet activities through comprehensive quality assurance oversight. The builders, the rating companies, 
ResNet over the years has continued to grow our staff when it comes to quality assurance. But it's not just quality assurance, it's mentoring. So one of our key goals of our quality assurance ResNet staff and working with providers and raters across the country is to let them know it's not got you as people believe that quality assurance is. It's really working with rating companies and our providers across the country to educate, to mentor, and then to, if needed, enforce. And so as we've enhanced these, as the board appropriated additional funding in 2014 for enhancing and hiring more staff, there's a lot of people, how's this going to work out? What people thought was going to be tougher, they realized that they're in a better place because of it. And rating companies and our providers all involved are seeking more and more conversations with their quality assurance team as we are there to assist them in understanding how to properly do a HERS rating. And so it's all been positive, and I can't say that there's any negative at all. Now, growing our business development opportunities for HERS raters and the rating industry. ResNet, by our requesting input from rating companies and from HERS raters and from providers, We have taken that input and realized that uh, one of the things that they believe is a core responsibility of ResNet is to help them build ratings. So we have listened and we have programs out there to then through these podcasts and through other vehicles that we use is to reach out and build rating business for our industry. And as you see, as Steve just said, we've seen steady growth in HERS ratings across the country. And that's not just working with our HERS raters and our providers, that's working with builders. Builders like third-party inspections, and they feel more comfortable about it. They like that the HERS rater is there, they understand the science of their house, and they're there to help them through their code inspection to identifying issues with construction defects. And so all these are opportunities that we continue to push out to our rating companies to make them aware Based on the science, how can you help and work with the builder? To reinforce what John said about quality assurance, because I think we cannot underestimate that, and that's why this is such a high, important goal, is that this is essential for ESG and green bonds because people are making investments decisions, and it's incredibly important that we make comfort level that these are actually what's going on. And what I feel good about is both the appraisal industry and Freddie Mac have basically said that ResNet's quality assurance is a gold standard. That's made them comfortable making these investments or upping appraisals based upon it. But again, as I mentioned before, competition is good because it's forced us to take a look, and times have changed and technologies changing, to look at our quality assurance standards and how do we make them more effective and even more efficient and maybe less costly. And I have to say that one of the things that listeners should be aware of is that John Hensley is chairman of the Quality Assurance Committee, and that group has taken a major look at looking almost aspects of our quality assurance. Where can we improve? Where can we make it clearer? And again, I think it's important to say, where can we be more efficient? And I think John's been working really hard. He's got a good group of people working with him. John, you might say a couple of things about your effort. Absolutely. So, When this is an overhaul, we're waiting for a little bit. Unfortunately, the pandemic kind of slowed things down when it comes to all these type of stuff. 
And so we jumped right into it this year, and we're doing a major overhaul of our quality assurance file and field reviews. And based on all of our years of experience and over those 3 million homes, we have lots of analytics. And so we're using technology in ResNet's ability to be flexible and to think to the future We're using that analytics then to find ways to be able to maintain that gold standard while making it easier for providers and raters to deal with the quality assurance side of it. And we share that with our builders. We share that with our rating companies and our providers. And it's exciting that we're making these changes, again, to be flexible while maintaining the gold standard. The other thing is, as John mentioned before, that's important, that it's because of our transparency that John did a good job explaining. These changes are going to be up for public comment and review. So everyone's going to have a chance to get their input on it. And as John explained, the process that we go through, there may be several cycles of this. But I think I've learned over the period of time that this consensus building is a very valuable factor because if you move too fast, you get blindsided and narrow divides. And what I've seen over the years, and I think John can say the same thing, is some of the comments and stuff we get are things we never thought of. Or maybe we had unintended consequences coming of it. So I've become quite a believer of a consensus-based process because it does give everyone a voice. And the consensus process requires that everyone's comment has to be listened to and considered. And so I think that's process. Because it's so complicated and so many intermoving parts, that is going to be the key. I think one of our goals in 2023 is to actually put this through, go through the consensus process, and have a much improved and leaner and more efficient system. For those listeners who want to tune in to one of our previous episodes in 2022, episode 110, we actually spoke with the QA team, Laurel, Scott, and Billy. And you'll hear a little bit more nuance and detail about these topics that John and Steve are relating to us right here and right now. So you said you could talk all afternoon. You got one more? I'll allow you one more goal. (laughs) I think we pretty much covered it, Bill, of all of our goals. I think Steve told you we create these goals using threat assessments, and maybe Steve can expand on that a little bit. Yeah, because I think it's important for your listeners, besides what the goals are, but why and how they came about. And I spent a little bit about a time talking about the threats and opportunities we see. The exercise each year is that staff begins the process by doing a strengths and weaknesses and external threats and opportunities analysis. And this year, as other years, we spent two days staff getting together and going over what are the all the opportunities, what are all the threats out there, what are the weaknesses of our organization, and what are our strengths of our organization. And then we provide that analysis to the board. And from those assessments, then the board comes up with, okay, here's the goals and activities we need to be able to address the threats and weaknesses, and then take advantage of the opportunities. So it's a kind of a long process, and the board formally, and what we've done is we tied this into the budget process. So what happens is based upon our analysis, the board adopts the goals and then comes up with activities. And then based upon that, then the board develops a budget to be able to undertake those activities. So the whole budget process is played into this whole planning and evaluation process, including the critical thing of adopting goals and priorities for the organization. I think that's a good business practice overall. Goals that don't have budgets to accomplish or just dreams or wishes. That's a good point. Yeah. 
earlier we did talk a little bit about the tying in the grow business development opportunities for raiders in the rating industry. I think ResNet very much recognizes it is about business. It's about serving a purpose, but it's also about you can't serve a purpose unless you're in business to do that purpose. So these things all have to work together. So we're not a government agency, so no. <laughs> it has to work in a private place. And that's one of the foundations that ResNet created from the day one that we would not be a grant driven organization. But I think on your line, Bill, there's another saying is if you don't know where you're going, anyone will get you there. Yeah. <laughs> it's very true. But no, this is the bottom line. And I think a lot of listeners are not aware of that. This has to make economic sense for almost all the players. The builders will have to be able to have some comfort. They'll recover the costs for the inspections. The raiders need to make an income. And we have to have the operations. So this has made us to be listening to our customers and to our infrastructure and devising a system that makes economic sense. Because you're right, without the resources, goals and missions are not possible. But on the other hand, you can't really make investments decisions unless you know where you're going. Absolutely. And the, again, just to keep up with all this, because of the complexity and the rigor with which these are approached to achieve this transparency and achieving the mission, the website is a great place, resnet.us, as well as the podcast, of course, but also the newsletter to keep in touch with all these topics that we're discussing here today. And as always, I think ResNet does a really good job of responding to email inquiries, and especially, of course, the standards process that's requirement, but even just our regular email inquiry gets responded to. So it's an organization that communicates and connects. Any closing thoughts as we cover this topic about the mission, challenges, opportunities, and goals? John? The only thing that I would add, and I can't say more than anything, how much this is have a positive impact on our industry and how ResNet's worked hard to get us where we are. The old 45L was born in around 2006, and it came from the EPAC tax credit. And like Steve said earlier, it got revived over the years, and they would go back and it was still based on the older codes. But it's $2,000 per home. So to the builder, we're talking about an incredible incentive. ResNet including myself and Steve and our lobbying company. These are all behind the scenes of what people don't know that our organization is doing. I've had meetings with Ways and Means. We've had meetings with Congress and the Department of Energy. I don't think we met with the IRS. But we, behind the scenes, have pushed for a national program based on the 45L. So the tax credit now is tied to Energy Star and as a requirement. And net zero energy ready, ZERH. And these national programs, though, made it easier for us to have a standard for this 45L incentive to be tied to. You have to meet Energy Star, you have to meet a ZERH in order to get a 2000 I think up to $5,000 in incentive. This is a tax credit, it's not cash, that goes to the builder to incentivize. Now, what have we seen as this program will start Jan 1, 2023? It's been approved. It's been funded by Congress. It's in law. Has the building organizations, are they preparing? Yes. They have been reaching out to raiders across the country, and they're looking to take advantage of that incentive money that is now approved per Steve and approved by law up to 10 years. So I think it's, we were back and forth about this the other day. It's 2032 or 2033. I think it's 32, yeah. 2032. Yep. Yeah. And so ResNet was part of that. 
ResNet has participated in that, and I'm quite proud of the fact that the organization was there and, and answering questions. We've had backup meetings with the EPA team and John Pass and his team, and we continue then to participate in programs that not only incentivize building sustainable, quality-assured, efficient homes, ResNet is at the forefront of that. Excellent. Any closing thoughts, Steve? Even though there is some turbulence there, the uncertainties of the economy, and incredibly bullish about the nature of the industry. And I think the other thing that goes back to the initial why we're here, I think what the HERS has done is show that the marketplace works. If you can give consumers credible language and credible ways to make decisions on, they will respond. And this to kind of go back and think about it is that in 2021, the average HERS index score was 58. Well, what does that mean? That's roughly 42% more efficient than a home built as recently as 2006, and incredibly over 70% more efficient of a home built in the 1970s. So the marketplace has responded, and if you can give clear signals out to consumers in a credible way through third party, they will make right decisions. And I think that's, to me, is what ResNet has accomplished and what the HERS does is provides that. And I think these numbers will go down. I think that one of the things about the tax credit that John just talked about is an inclusion of a $5,000 credit for builders who met the zero ready home certification. So I think the movement is towards zero. We're seeing the scores continually going down. We're seeing builders now making commitments, national production builders of her scores in the 40s. And you can see the clear path is I don't think the net zero is a impossible dream. I think with technologies going, various things like that, I think it's going to be an achievable goal. And we're going to be seeing that as a standard practice in our lifetimes. Yes. A lot of signals out there that indicate all of that, Steve. All right. Thank you, Steve and John, for joining us here on Res Talk today to share with us the perspectives going into 2023. Have a good rest of the day, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Res Talk Podcast, where Steve and John explain to us ResNet's 2023 goals and priorities. If you're a pro in the building market, surf on over to resnet.us forward slash professional to learn more or join the email list. You can also find ResNet on Facebook or Twitter. If you're interested in feeding back to ResNet and what you heard here, or would like to hear a new topic covered or just have a general question, please send an email to info at resnet, R-E-S-N-E-T, A quote for today by Vince Lombardi. The achievements of an organization are the results of the combined effort of each individual. If you've not subscribed to the podcast, please do so. And as always, thank you for listening to Res Talk. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Res Talk podcast. This podcast is hosted by Bill Spone and is a production of ResNet the Residential Energy Services Network. The best way to listen to this podcast is to subscribe on an iPhone using the podcast app or on an Android device by downloading the Stitcher app and searching for ResTalk. If you are willing, a review on iTunes of the podcast app will help others find the show and would be very much appreciated. We look forward to talking again soon on ResTalk.